Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to From Everywhere. This week, I'm personally super excited to sit down and chat with our next guest. Not only is she a Marist College alumni, such as myself, um, but I love her just because of her incredible design ability, her really strong worth ethic, and just her overall brand. So today, we are going to sit down and chat with Kara Benavenia. Uh, Kara, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Oh, thank you so much for that intro. It was so sweet. I'm so honored to be here. I really, you know, believe in the mission of your podcast and really just been impressed with all the guests you had so far. So I'm honored to be your episode four. Um, (laughs) So hi, everyone. My name is Cara Benavenia. I'm the founder and creative director of Cara Benavenia Handbags. We are a modern and fashion-forward handbag label that is completely designed, developed, and manufactured right here in the USA, specifically New Jersey, where I was born and raised. And we are most known for our first-to-market woven leather textile that you will see in displayed in our iconic styles on the market today. Yes. Um, I will include like Kara's Instagram handle and the website in the description so you guys can go and check out her fabulous, fabulous, fabulous bags. Um, <laughs> once you see the woven design, I can assure you, you will not forget it. Um, but that was such a great info. Um, so Kara, I guess my first question in like getting started in our little, um, conversation and our discussion. Um, so I guess like how, and I guess more so why did you want to create like the Kara Benavenia brand? Because it's by the look of me, it's a very like iconic piece and design that you've created. Yeah. Uh, great question. So I really just, when I worked in the industry, I I always felt like I was chasing some sort of creative fulfillment or validation that I felt was going to be at the next role or the next brand. And at the same time, I never really felt like I was growing in my roles. A lot of them felt going through the motions or just kind of holding me back from really expanding as a designer, expanding as an individual. And I felt at some point that it was, you know, pursuing my own creative vision was the only way to find that validation within myself and Mm -hmm. really just to be the happiest I could be and the most well-rounded person and designer. So I really kind of sat down and thought about what I was passionate about, what I loved about Mm -hmm. passion, what creative parts of myself I wanted to put out there in the world and Mm -hmm. sort of came back to this textile that I had created in my undergraduate at Marist as a apparel design major. I created a textile using yarn and mesh and I made really couture outerwear pieces and Mm -hmm. very well received by really anyone who saw the industry panel that came in to critique our collections and that textile was just always in the back of my mind as something being really fresh and modern and really just not out there in the marketplace. So I really pushed myself to figure out a way to to bring it to market in an efficient, cost-effective and sustainable way started about leather, potentially using that textile in a small leather good. And from there, I started researching leather, going to leather fairs, looking Mm -hmm. into manufacturers, and really just kind of snowballed from there. Awesome. And I have seen a lot of Kara's design work as just a side, like even in her college career, because 
even though I was a few years younger, I was still there to witness it. And um, the designs are and were and are incredible. Um, but that woven pattern and design that you've really worked with and completely just like evolved into something of your own is kind of amazing. And I think that's something I think I'm able to say that because I feel so you're very open about your process and what it looks like behind the brand um, throughout your social media and everything like that. Um, but for those who have not yet looked at like your Instagram and may not know that much about your brand, can you explain explain a little bit about your process, whether that's like your design process or um, how you came to your production overall as a whole now? I really think for any creative, it's trial and error. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from the inception of my brand, it was more about creating this fantasy, this really editorial piece that was going to set the stage, um, you know, set the precedent in terms of what the customer could expect in terms of quality design, really honing in on what it means to have creative integrity and really put mm -hmm. out unique, um, one of a kind, honest designs. Um, and, you know, from there, understanding that as much as it's an artistic and creative endeavor, it's also a business endeavor and you have to understand yes. your design for your customer. So, you know, since the first capsule collection, which was purely artistic, really about the textile, something, you know, elevating in terms of design and price point has evolved into designing for the consumer and really keeping keeping in mind what the consumer can and will pay for your product and mm -hmm. designing around that. So I think the process is really trial and error and it's getting feedback from your consumers who have your product, what they're looking for next, what they like about the current products they have, what they would improve. Um, but yeah, I really just think it's trial and error and really pushing yourself, being receptive to constructive criticism and dropping your ego sometimes. And, mm -hmm. you know, really just, just being open and really pushing yourself to put the best product you can out there on the marketplace. I completely agree. And I think you put it in a really great way. A lot of design process for anything, whether it's um, fashion related art or just really any product in general, a lot of it is trial and error. Mm -hmm. And I do think you um, put forth the message a lot, which is just being very, very honest with your followers and just um, the consumers of the people who purchase um, your bag. And um, I know we've said this briefly before, but like they really are investing in you. Mm -hmm. And I think by you offering such a um, like a solid, very well-made product. The price point is great for what you're offering because it's not a product that will only survive for six months or a year. It's going to last you a very, very, very long time, mm -hmm. which is something and I guess a way that I see the fashion industry going is that maybe things that are a bit of a higher price point are hopefully is made just very, very well so that they're lasting and that they're worth the price that they are. And I think that that's a big concept of sustainability. I think there's so many different ways you could define sustainable or sustainability and whether it's fashion, food, or just anything at all. Mm -hmm. um, sustaining is really just like the work of lasting, I guess you could say. You bring forward a really good point about like sustainability and how it meets um, a really big point in that 
and it's just your product lasts because it's very well made and it's in the market right now, which is filled with a lot of products, whether it's um, handbags or clothing or anything like that, that aren't as well made. Correct. I agree. Um, And I know one of the things that you have talked about was your production and you, your product is like made in the USA and um, you produce in your home state of New Jersey. Was there um, something that made you, like when you were originally starting the Care Benavenia brand, was there a decision that led you to want to do like in-state at-home production? Yeah, of course. I think there's, you know, an emotional component to that experience that I've had in the industry working with artisans in a luxury atelier and just getting to know them, seeing seeing the beauty and craftsmanship and really wanting to push that forward. Um, and also, you know, my, my family roots in the early 1900s here in New Jersey, not far from where I currently manufacture. Um, my great-grandfather came over here from Italy in the early 1900s, worked as a tailor at an exclusive men's clothier in Newark, New Jersey, which is not far from one of the cities that I manufacture. Mm-hmm. all of my handbags and you know part of that has, has always stuck with me as I went into pursue apparel design I always felt like I had this connection to my roots and not really a responsibility but some something mm-hmm. nagging at me in the back of my head <laughs> to, to really just honor and, and preserve humble beginnings and blue collar work that you know could necessarily be looked down upon today for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I think that's really, really important as, as a, a human and, and as my brand started to push forward that this kind of work is important work. It's work done by human hands, by humans that deserve a living wage. And for so many people like our, our ancestors that, that immigrated here who either didn't speak the language or couldn't afford higher education, they could be trained as artisans and that's meaningful work. And, you know, I think that crosses over so many different categories of manufacturing work. And I think it's so needed for our economy. It's so needed for the industry to celebrate artisans here. And, you know, I really believe that the industry is headed this way. I think there was, you know, there was a lot of doubt in the beginning when I started back in 2018 about if the consumer really cared or you would people saying you got to go overseas that's how you make your money and I just knew deep down that there was something so meaningful here Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter if no other designers were doing it or pushing it I truly felt like I could show everyone why it's important and why they should believe in it so yeah I think there's that emotional component of my family roots and you know, also that social responsibility that I feel as a, a young, driven designer who wants to make a change. Um, so I think it's it's definitely those two avenues that are really pushing me to keep manufacturing here and really work with my factory to produce the highest quality, you know, products that, that we can put out there. I think you spoke on a lot of great points, especially um, that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. Even me, my grandma um, came over from Italy in the 40s when she was 16, I believe. And she was trained again as an artisan and worked in a sewing factory. And so a lot of us do have roots here. And I think it's oftentimes forgotten or people um, 
you know, have that as a part of them, but they don't, you may not choose to incorporate that into what they do, which is obviously, you know, just a personal decision. But I think that's part of your brand is, um, you know, you really do humble yourself upon having everything made in the U.S. And then to your other point is, um, like you said, just like you having that connection to your grandfather and Mm -hmm. um, knowing that how hard he had worked Mm -hmm. and then seeing the real value. I think that's a very lucky thing to be able to have that eye vision and have that view upon it because people may not understand it if they don't have that connection to it. The real importance of sustaining jobs here in the United States, Mm -hmm. no matter the industry, but I almost, I say like, especially the fashion industry. Yes. Because no matter like if it's clothing or shoes or accessories, so much is done abroad in a variety of different countries, but to have it done here, I think it's a great way that your brain, that your brand is sustainable because you're sustaining all of the jobs. In New Jersey, which is where you're from, which is even better, but just by giving these people a way of life and giving meaning to their work, which is usually outsourced somewhere else. Exactly. And I think that you put it in a really good way of just um, honing into your roots. And I feel like a lot of people can probably relate to that in one way or another. All of this outsourcing done in the U.S. with, like I said, any product, but for it to have to be made here... And, you know, you say you're unsure, would would that be like a contributing factor to people purchasing or would it not? Because unfortunately, right now in the industry, a lot of people, you know, don't care about where it comes from or more importantly, where it's going to end up. They purchase due to the cost of the product and then it only lasts them so long and then they get rid of it and then it's kind of forgotten. Which is really sad, but I think it's something good that sets your brand apart. Yeah, I think it's about, you know, really focusing on shifting the consumer mindset through education. And Mm -hmm. I think so many consumers, young consumers, are so trained to see a certain price tag on items. And I think it's important, and what my brand has been founded upon is to see the price tag as the last aspect of the product. It's seeing where our leather comes from, what it looks like when it comes in, how our factory cuts it down, how I organize the leather strips, you know, weave them a certain way. It's really having the consumer understand love that goes into product and, you know, just shifting their mindset to buying really well-made goods that are going to last them their entire lifetime that they're going to pass down, Um, you know, and I think with this consumer shift of the mindset, it'll help them Mm -hmm. consume less or be more conscious about what they're consuming. It's not about hauling in clothes from fast fashion conglomerates. It's really supporting a really special product. And, you know, in that sense, I think you, you save more money that way because you're having pieces that are going to last you forever. You're consuming less you know, you're, you're decluttering your life, you're lending time and financial, you know, finances to other kinds of activities or travel or 
other parts of your life that you could be allocating that that money towards that you're continuously wasting yes. on fast fashion because you're mm-hmm. replenishing it every couple of months because they rip or it's out of style. Um, mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day, it's really about education. And, and I feel that my brand has, you know, from the beginning there, like I said, there was a lot of doubt, even from myself, you know, when you try to seek out mentors and they, you know, have their own opinions about where things should be manufactured. But I think that mindset needs to be shifted from seeing numbers and money Mm -hmm. to, to, to looking at it from the human, where does it start? Not where it ends. Completely agree. I think it all starts with the consumer mindset. I think I definitely had a, a educated mindset a few years ago because I was just so unaware of how the industry worked, how the behind the scenes looked of it. Education is like, I think for me, that key word, that's kind of even just why I started the podcast is to really learn about what's going on behind the scenes of everything. What the topic is, the issue is, regardless, you have to learn about it in order to make an effective change. Yeah, I agree. And I think people just really don't know. And the consumer mindset does definitely absolutely have to change. I really believe in order to make a real impact, you have to learn about whatever. I think you're absolutely right again by saying the price point is something that people have a hard time getting past. Mm-hmm. You may see a higher price point, but the, if it's just say $100 and people could get you know, six things for $100 versus one, those six things aren't going to last more than a year. I completely agree. Or even if like you said, if they, you know, go out of style, for example, even if something may not be in style at this moment, a lot of those products aren't even worth keeping Mm -hmm. for years to come. Yeah. Um, I know my mom has had like a, there's a beaded bag Mm -hmm. and it's in the best condition. And she said it's probably 30 years old. That's And it was a more expensive bag, but it's just so it's worth keeping it around because everything comes back in style eventually. It's just like a cyclical process. Definitely. um, And at a time of just not understanding or maybe not wanting to understand thing behind um, the mindset of a consumer really makes the biggest impact. But when I see a brand or someone like you, it really explaining on your Instagram, your fabric coming in, you separating it, and seeing you spend hours hand weave all of these things, you appreciate it so much more because you're completely investing in not only the product but in you and the story behind everything. And it means so much more rather than just buying a bag that you know is significantly cheaper and then you just throw away after a certain amount of time, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree. I think... It's really no one, I wouldn't say it's anyone's fault for having this shift of the consumer mindset. And I just think it's the way businesses have come to operate in the last maybe 40 years with the fashion industry and just outsourcing overseas to increase their profits. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the one good thing, if anything, after the onset of the coronavirus pandemic is really just having the world slow down and really start to think about how we're consuming, how fast fashion companies are, are detrimental, not only to humans, but to our environment. And, you know, it's a shame that we would have to have something like this, start that conversation or what's going on with climate change, have us be like, whoa, 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 what is going on? Our landfills are just 
overcrowded with waste. I think fashion is what the number fashion industry is the third contributor to waste in our nation's landfills or world landfills. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's one good thing that there's, there's really a shift across, you know, everyone's mindset and, and even in the fashion industry too, just trying to slow it down. We don't have to, you know, pressure designers to have a new collection every six months or four months if they participate in the resort seasons and, you know, doing these million dollar fashion shows that are so exclusive. I think it's, it's so much more about the the human experience and including people and representing people and, you know, having jobs. And I think, you know, the fashion industry is truly moving in the right direction. Unfortunately had to take a global pandemic to do that, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I think the success of, of brands cropping up as of late are ones that have a story, ones that really mean something, ones that stand for something. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you're you're rooted in the right values and you you have, um, you know, you have your sights set on something meaningful and, and you're truly passionate about what you do, you will see success. And, you know, I think anything really with the dollar signs in, in the eyes is just, you know, <laughs> you're on the track for, for really just something that's not meaningful, um, especially in fashion, because it's, you know, you're not seeing these great profits with small production runs or, or handmade products. You're seeing very, very small margins. And I think, you know, that's okay. It's really more about shifting the consumer mindset and, and the social responsibility we have over some kind of super large large profit at the expense of you know workers certain amount of money for things or that especially when when you mentioned about the pandemic I think you're really right when people unfortunately had to take that for people to see the real benefit of investing in products but also investing in brands Mm -hmm. that have a more meaningful Mm -hmm. story and be and brands are being brought to light because of how um People would rather shop from, you know, originally smaller shops, whether it's locally or just smaller brands, rather than a big fashion brand, whatever it is. It's more meaningful if you buy from like a small Mm -hmm. business now or you have, you know, certain celebrities wearing certain brands bringing to light the talent of all of these people that don't get the credit that they should just because a bigger fashion that just continues to produce and produce and produce get all of this attention but these people who are working so hard and really producing so in just all around usually ethical Mm -hmm. ways and they're just not getting the attention that they should but I do agree that I think the pandemic is bringing light Mm -hmm. to those and people are can see now more clearly that they deserve the attention that they should get I agree and I even read recently that there are quite a few brands in the industry right now signing a petition to ask President Biden to appoint a fashion czar um, to kind of monitor sustainability practices. Um, And I think that's amazing. I really think, you know, kind of having something like this headed up from from really the the highest position in, in our country is amazing. And, you know, I just... I, we really need to be to be conscious of what we're doing to our environment and what we're doing to 
to other people's livelihoods. Um, you know, I think it's, it's about being there for each other. Like we're all human beings. And I think these, you know, we lose sight of who's profiting in these fast fashion, um, conglomerates. It's not the workers, it's whoever's at the very, very top. And, you know, I think there's a misconception about some of these luxury brands that the profit margin is bigger and that the luxury people who own luxury brands, you know, have all this money Mm -hmm. or, or, are making millions of dollars every year. And it's really the exact opposite. It's the fast fashion companies that are the ones that have these astronomical margins that aren't paying adequately for labor, that aren't paying for materials, you know, that are hundreds of thousands of units and, you know, making such a big margin on them and additionally contributing to the landfills. And on, you know, on the, on the flip side, these luxury brands really have the smallest margins because our our consumer doesn't want to pay for quality, doesn't want to pay for labor, doesn't want to pay for stories. So, you know, as much as we're trying to do something really good here in the industry, it's tough because we are really competing in this landscape that is just trained to see $250, for example, my lowest priced item on my line right now Mm -hmm. to see $250 is completely astronomical when I'm barely, barely making any margin on that. And, you know, it's, it's really tough because you want to do something good. You're putting in the time, the effort to develop something really beautiful. That's going to last your lifetime. You know, I'm sourcing the highest quality zippers from California that are made right here in the United States. My leather comes from one of the best tanneries in Italy My leather artisans, you know, make every single stitch and piece of the handbag by hand right here in New Jersey. And, you know, to retail that for $250 is, it hurts to to put that price tag on there. You you know, being on on the back end, you know, you see it as as being worth 10 times that amount. So, um, yeah, yeah, but I I do think I'm, I'm very confident. I don't usually you know, get discouraged very easily. And I think it's just day in, day out, making it a point to show the consumer and to show them why you are so passionate about what you do and why it means something to you. I'm not here to just push product and and collect a paycheck. I'm here to really make a change, to put my art out into the world that has meaning and, you know, to inspire others who want to start their own businesses to really found their businesses on, on these pillars that really are the future of the industry and incorporating a social component, a social give back. Cause I think that's, you know, that's where change is rooted in. And who has gone through any sort of job employment search, especially within the last year, it's been extremely mm-hmm. challenging, but I think by me really having the opportunity to sit down and um, look at brands that I'm really passionate about and really, really, really believe in I think there is such a difference from a brand to they're adapting any sort of sustainable production or um, using, you know, certain sustainable uh, materials. I think there's a difference between them doing that for just the trend of it to appeal to more. And I mean, there definitely is a benefit to that no matter why they're doing it. But then you do have an, like a huge number of brands or maybe not a huge number but you see these brands going to great lengths to be completely sustainable in all ways, whether it's offering, um, you know, Patagonia not only sells their products, but they 
offer a service called warmware and you're able to send their product back into them to be, uh, you know, restored and sent back, or you're able to donate it for those clothes to be remade into mm-hmm. others. So there's a difference between, a, I think, um, and I was able to really understand that throughout searching for a job is just learning that there's a difference between brands doing just only certain things to appeal rather than brands really going that extra mile to actually make a difference in the environment. And, you know, people understand that the benefit of, you know, using glass straws or metal Mm -hmm. straws and then like certain things with food and is important. And I've implemented those into my daily life Mm -hmm. completely. The fashion industry, like you said, is like the third number one polluter and all of it ends up in the landfills. And I think that that's something that people have forgotten about. Are they, they, a lot of people do have mindsets saying that just because if I don't do it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. But if every single person thought that way, then it's not, or nothing's going to change. I really hope that, you know, there's just a new crop of, of brands coming out there that are small, the, the founders are passionate, they're young, they really have a vision. And, you know, to see all of these bigger, essentially fast fashion conglomerates really just closing down and not existing anymore, I don't think would be a bad thing. I mean, I do, you know, you see these brands that really thrived, you know, post overseas production and with these low price points kind of being being stuck right now, feeling like if they go that extra mile to implement sustainable fabrics or practices points are going to skyrocket and their consumer is going to be so confused for the, you know, the past 40 years being so accustomed to the 1999 pair of jeans. And all of a sudden, you know, it's double that price. I think, you know, that consumer is going to be confused. So um, I, I do understand from, from the bigger, in company standpoint of, of being stuck but I, I do think at the same point it's you know they have a responsibility I think being in a position of of power and millions of dollars to really set the precedent for other brands to do the same and you know if, if their profits go down in the next few years I mean I think they need to just weigh weigh the option is it is it losing losing money this year or is it really doing something great for the environment. Um, so I, I think that all of these new brands cropping up is a, is a great thing. And, you know, I don't see, I don't see the detriment in these bigger fast fashion houses closing down. Um, I feel like, you know, at the same time, I had a conversation with someone about as, you know, the global pandemic really starting these conversations. I think the rise of TikTok has also been a little detrimental too with these fast fashion hauls or look at all these things I got from. Oh my God. Yes. I completely to, like, agree. Drop these overseas. Um, houses. I know exactly but, um, who you mean. You know, I think that's for the younger <laughs> consumer, for the, for the high schooler, for the, you know, late teenager, early twenties woman. See- that they can get mm-hmm. 50 things for $200 or whatever. I don't know. Oh my God. You know, I yes. think at the same time, that's also, um, you know, that's also very, very dangerous for our, um, for our industry and, and for the environment. And, you know, also with influencers and bloggers feeling like they need to turn over their closets every week to have new content, 
you know, feeling like they're buying inexpensive so that they can just throw away or, you know, donate um, or even even sell on their on their platforms, I think, you know, is also it's also super harmful. So, you know, at the same time, as much as the conversation started, there's also this this growth of how much, you know, how much can I haul from this one, one retailer or smaller influencers having these codes for these big fast fashion retailers. I I think, you know, these influencers as well have a responsibility with their platforms and not be promoting these big fast fashion houses and, and really focusing on the small business. With your TikTok point. And I think you absolutely bring up an interesting point of, you know, these influencers who um, support it or these people who go on TikTok and say, this is all the stuff I got from this brand for this amount of money. And it's a one-time purchase from this brand. A lot of times there's like multiple Mm -hmm. hauls at multiple different times. And it's a trend right now. And unfortunately, I really, I just really hope Mm -hmm. it ends soon because I'm seeing it so frequently. I think um, it comes from the top too. I mean, I think, I think big luxury brands that are you know very coveted by these younger younger women, either the high schoolers, like we were saying, girls early in their twenties. I think seeing more face, seeing more, this is why you should care, um, would be really really helpful because I think someone with a small platform and voice as my own doesn't really get across, and I think all brands need to be doing it. They need to be pushing that, you know, this is really important. And it's not cool to be shopping these fast fashion brands. I mean, you may look cool because you have a new outfit every day of the week. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to think about what you're doing to the environment, what you're doing to others, how, you know, workers aren't being paid. And, um, you know, I I think it's tough because celebrities and and influencers, I I don't feel are are really using their, um, their platforms effectively to to push this out there. And, you know, to to lump it on small business owners who have a a small platform and, or even, you know, the fashion industry trying to get our president on board. I think these are all really great strides. But um, I do think we we need a lot of help from these, these women and men with with platforms and in, in the influencer setting that can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Especially with these big brands, a lot of the products, um, I'll speak to handbags because um, I'm speaking with you, but you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of the same, just like the look of it. But, um, you know, walking down the street, there's like three brands that have like basically the same exact mm-hmm. bag, but their, their logo right. is just different. Okay. Yeah. But, but then, you know, um, speaking to your, like, uh, cappuccino baguette or your billy bag, it's just, like, it's something different. There's um, – it's in trend with, like, the mm-hmm. shape, I believe, that's, you know, going around right now. But the design of it and just the story behind it is really, really, really special and what makes people want to invest in it. And I think a lot of it is the way – at least I – see things is like, if I'm going to spend my money on something, no matter what it is, I, mm-hmm. it's really an investment. It's an investment in your money, whether, you know, especially for people like really working hard and, you know, you would assume that people just want to believe in the product that they're buying. And it's so much more worth it to me to purchase a bag from you and your brand because 
you know, I know your story. I know the lengths you go to, but also because of the product, because it's different. It doesn't look like a lot of the trend that's going around right now. Obviously, everyone succumbs to trends. That's just completely human nature, no matter what it is. But I think that there's a lot to be spoken about going kind of against yeah. the trend no, in a way and not looking ex- and not every single thing looking exactly the same. I think this, this space is really, really hard. And, you know, I, I knew and still know that it's going to be years before I'm able to really be in a great, you know, find this great space, this niche that I'm in. Um, handbags are, have historically mm-hmm. always been very clout and status and designer driven. So, you know, I, I think being made in America is really the last, the last driving point of the sale. I think if I had really plain leather handbags, you know, I, I wouldn't see as much success, but, you know, I have this really unique textile that I think is, is the first thing that the consumer sees. And, you know, it's this textile that's different, that's unique. And I think getting out there that it's important to manufacture here is, is much harder with a, with a very plain, you know, style. So I think the fact that this textile is first to market, you know, really helps, helps push the awareness a bit more just because it's so unique. You don't really see it. you, you haven't seen it. No, no designers have this specific technique that I'm using. Really think it helps you know, drive this point home that you could have a really special, unique, fun handbag. And, you know, to top it all off, it's made here in the USA. So, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about stemming away from these very clout driven purchases and, you know, more about uniqueness of style, having something that not everyone else has. Um, and, you know, really just promoting what it means to manufacture locally with, with a product that's, that's first to market. So, you know, when I see it or I see the design, even though you offer in a ton of different, you know, colorways, mm-hmm. I know it's yours. And I think there's something very special to be said about that because it's mm-hmm. very iconic. And, you know, like, I do agree with what you said about the handbag market specifically being very, like, mm-hmm. label-driven. But I think that it's that mm-hmm. much more special. And I hope to see that in the future people do adapt to um, not just – I mean, it's hard for people to get away from the concept of labels because mm-hmm. that's just a naturally – a lot of people are just naturally yeah. drawn towards that. I've definitely <laughs> totally been there myself. Um, and I think everyone has, but I think, you know, investing in something and investing in something Mm -hmm. made in the USA, I mean, I think we've definitely had, um, a privileged in a privileged background in a sense where we were able to be educated in school about more so what the background process looks like. We were able to see videos and stuff like that. And I know that conditions overseas, um, are just not great and then almost by any company outsourcing to them it's just like another support of that and people may not understand that when they're buying certain products but I think educating them is like the first step in them getting to make um, a change I think the challenge is really just getting you know getting my products in the person's hands I mean I I've seen zero returns on any of my my handbags and I have probably 200 in circulation out in the world right now um and consumers mm-hmm. that come back for their fourth caravan of any bag because they just, you know, the quality, you know, the story, it's really special. And I think, 
there's a, there's a major shift away from these cookie cutter styles and, you know, vintage revival and, and thrifted secondhand, you know, clothes really coming to the forefront because I, you know, I think people are really utilizing fashion and style to, to express themselves and, and wanting to have something that's uniquely theirs and, and something that not everyone else has. So yeah, I think, you know, there, there's definitely always going to be that consumer that, you know, can't see past that big designer uh, logo or buckle clasp um, on their handbag. Um, but mm-hmm. I do, you know, I do have quite a few consumers that are also the luxury handbag consumer and really have just, mm-hmm. you know, made me feel so great with the way they speak to the quality of Carabinavenia being, you know, comparable or, or even, you know, better or, you know, I'll get really sweet texts like mm-hmm. my Prada bag is sitting on the shelf and, you know, Carabinavenia is coming out with me tonight <laughs> or, you know, I'll, I'll get random texts from people being like, oh, I saw someone with your bag like out at a bar and really just kind of associating me with this textile is really special. And I think that's, you know, the textile that's is me. It's, it's really a product of, of my heart and my passion. And, and I think that's, you know, that's integral to to building a brand is, is having something that's so unique and iconic to, to your branding. Um, and, you know, it's definitely been so much work thus far to figure out a way to make this, you know, juxtaposition of materials that don't really go together, mesh and leather, and, you know, have it be displayed beautifully, um, you know, on a handbag and what kind of, you know, fillers we have to use. What's the process? I mean, my factory has never seen anything like this because, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. So, you know, the trial and error process has been really just great working one-on-one with my factory and, and seeing all of the beautiful things they can do with, with my textile. And I'm just looking forward to expanding the line and, and making, making more products for our consumer who really just loves Carabinavenia bags and, and loves the, the mission and, you know, how, how fun and relatable, you know, we try to promote the brand on Instagram and, and kind of show that you can have a luxury product and feel like the brand is about you and it's not something to aspire to have. It's something that, you know, is made for you and, and made for you to be a part of and, and to celebrate you. And, you know, we, I don't, you know, I never, you know, I never had an intentions of being this exclusive luxury brand. I think there was also misconceptions in the beginning, you know, with the price point and certain people saying, oh, you Mm -hmm. have to sell here. These people have money. You have to sell here. And I almost felt like that was the biggest insult I could have ever heard because the bags are not for people who have quote unquote money. It's for, you know, it's for the woman who has how many handbags in her closet you don't need 20 handbags. You can have one Carabinavenia because the way we have developed these, these woven designs to really go with so many different outfits to be dressed up or down to incorporate all of these tones. And it's something you're never going to throw out. So it's not for the person that quote unquote has money. It's, it's for the consumer that really understands what they're buying And, you know, I think that was the biggest hump in the beginning was, was really just pushing out that message that it's not about exclusivity. It's not, you know, to exclude people that can't afford it, Um, you know, because we've expanded our line to, to have that lower price point of 250 and 325 that, you know, our 18 year olds are investing in, or, you know, our early 20 year olds are investing in, Um, 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, it's just the evolution of the branding, but um, yeah, I think, I think we're in a really, a really unique space and I'm just, I'm very confident with the expansion and, and all of the great things to come with the brand in the future. One point, something that when I'm talking about, usually it's about any clothes or um, fashion product, whether it's handbags or stuff like that. I'll be talking about it with my parents and something that they always have said for years, especially recently, they've said things are not made mm-hmm. today like they used to be. And I think that's 100% true. And I think the more I've learned about really mm-hmm. how things are made um, and like the life cycle of a product and the life line of a product, it's I think so- it's absolutely true. And I think that that's something I really hope that people understand is that you know you have this signature design and this mm-hmm. signature product like you said for that consumer who has just like that love for it who doesn't need a million and a half different things but just sees the value in it and that is something also when you said about you know like people um saving their things being <laughs> vintage um I also look at specifically your billy bag and see just like a vintage um, yeah. vibe of it. That's well, that kind was inspired of how I see by, it. Um, a vintage garment that I have from my, my grandma. It was a, a pool cover up, like a two piece set that she wore maybe to Aruba. And I, we pulled it out of her closet after she had passed away. And my mom, I remember her sending a picture of it to me cause I was at work and she goes, how cool is this? And I was like, what is that? And when I came home and had it in my hands, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is like a, an enlarged kind of abstract plaid. And at the time that was right when the pandemic had hit really the United States. And we were really in need of something more accessible, I think in, in terms of price point. And it just hit me. Mm. I was like, this is the bag. This is how we're going to, you know, put out there, a digital iteration of our iconic woven plaid in a very trendy shoulder style and it worked and we've we've been selling so many units of them because it's really the perfect summer bag it's almost like the the Prada um the Prada re-edition bag but uh with a plaid on it <laughs> Essentially, the shape um, <laughs> is that trendy shoulder shape that you know we've been seeing from a lot of designers but um you know, at the same time, it's it's really kind of showing that through this bag that you can have something that's been, you know, looked at as very vintage, like a plaid, something maybe tired or or something that your grandmother would wear, like a Pendleton plaid skirt, um, but showing how you brought mm-hmm. into 2020 yeah. and, and made really, really cool. Um, and I, when I first saw the Billy, I remember saying like, oh, that just looks so... <laughs> vintage and just old school and just the coolest way and it's completely adaptable to just like modern day because I think that's what I think people so are looking too. for right now um I really and- do feel to your point about how things are not really made today um I was going out with a friend once and she had I'm not going to say the designer but a big handbag designer um bag on her shoulder and mm-hmm. I remember touching it and looking at it and just being horrified that that designer's logo was on the bag. I honestly thought it was a fake. And I think, you know, so many of these handbag, luxury handbag labels that have established their brand 
for, you know, the past 50 plus years are sourcing, you know, cheaper products, cheaper production, and still selling it at that thousand dollar plus price point to, you know, increase their margins. And, you know, I really just think you're doing a disservice to your brand, to your customer. And, you know, I think keeping up with, with these levels of, of quality and, and meaning is, you know, where, where the shift needs, needs to go to, you don't need to be coming out with 30 handbags, you know, every season. I think it's more about developing really meaningful handbags and, you know, showing why they're meaningful, why there's so much work put into it. Why is the design like this instead of just mass producing, um, you know, hundreds of colorways and styles, I think, it's more about that small business boutique luxury experience. Um, so I do think luxury brands are, are also like sucked into or were sucked into the whole cheaper labor, but keeping that high price point just to increase their margins. As it is, I've heard um, a family member say the same thing about a certain brand. And, you know, uh, they were, I don't know if whether it was like a purse or like a wallet or something, but you know, they felt the quality of it and they're like, I would not spend my money on something like this so for the price point that it is. I know. Based and on I the think quality. That's why these, um, you know, people are looking towards the the vintage resale market for handbags and Vestera Collective and what goes around comes mm-hmm. around and the real real are doing well because those luxury vintage handbags mm-hmm. were made with the highest quality. Um, and you don't really, really see that today anymore. So I think that's why this handbag space is as, as much as it's hard and it's clout driven and, um, label driven. And, you know, I just think this, this space is, is much needed in terms of something new, something fresh, something that your grandmother can invest in, but also, you know, your little sister. I have a customer that's 87 and a customer that's, you know, under 20. So I think, you know, really showing the longevity of product, mm-hmm. you know, your grandmother's going to pass you down her Carabinavenia icon um, because she really resonates with the woven plaid, the circular shape, how it's a cool, you know, um, top handle, you know, your mother's going to buy the baguette and your little sister is going to buy the trendy plaid shoulder bag. So I think it's been really cool to see, to see families and, and how each member of that family shops and how they swap their bags and, you know, how they really just believe in, in the longevity of products, you know, how the products really crosses generations and, um, you know, you can, you can really be any age, any demographic and, and wear a Carabinavenia bag awesome that people of all different ranges I don't think a brand should be I mean it sounds maybe a little weird or off to say that I don't think a brand should be just like age mm-hmm. age specific but I think that the fact that you have a customer who's under 20 but also 87 I, I think that's <laughs> awesome because my grandma's 89 and she I picked her up like last week for something and she came out of the building that she lives in and like (laughs) brown dress pants a long black leather jacket and a like bubblegum pink like furry bucket like a style maven (laughs) 
things like that are really in style now. But she's, and I asked her, I was like, where did you get that hat? And she's like, I've had this hat for forever, for like 20 some plus years. And same with the leather jacket. And she has these embroidered shirts. And it's like, that's so amazing to see something so long. These so, so vital. And my parents always say that, that, you know, things just aren't made the way they used to. Things aren't for me as I have, you know, my mom and I have five aunts and two older sisters. So I'm That's able amazing. to share a lot. And so, it's special too. But, when, when you but can, for, can pass something down or wear something that your mother or your grandmother wore and, you know, they have a story for where they wore that dress or where that, you know, how they found that jacket or, you know, I think that's, that's more of the, that's more of the story of the product. You know, it's, it's not necessarily just where it comes from. I think that's a huge part, but it's also who's bringing it to life. What's the story in this, in this bucket hat that your grandma's going to pass down to you and that you're going to pass down to your grandkids. And, you know, to have something like that, I think is really just so meaningful and that really puts meaning into fashion. Um, so I think that's, that's part of the story and, you know, part of the reason why I'm, you know, so passionate about a really quality product. I want all of my customers to be passing these bags down to their granddaughters and, and say this designer, you know, I knew her from Marist or I bought her bag when she, you know, had just started her business. And, you know, I, I think passing down, sharing that's part of, that's part of fashion. You know, it's your, the product comes to life with, with the, with the consumer. And I, I just think that's, you know, that's amazing for you to have this, this mindset about shopping and, and same with your family too. I think that's where it starts. Getting things um, like, I don't want to say like used, but you know, secondhand, mm-hmm. there is a story behind it. And it's amazing to be able to tell that story to understand it and have mm-hmm. it almost be a part of you, but also like have it yeah. like you can easily relate to someone or, you know, this, what this product, whatever it is, has had just yes. like a previous I, life. So special. I love that. And, um, and it, you know, my dad out of all people, he, he keeps his clothes for so long and he has, you know, um, like the black dog store based out of, um, Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. He has like a bunch of shirts from them. And he has this one gray short sleeve shirt. It has <laughs> a million and one holes in it on the back. And he has so many other shirts. And I asked him one day, I was like, why do you um, keep the shirt? And he's like, it's not only is it one of his favorite shirts, but he's like, I see all of the memories that I've had in this That's shirt so in sweet. every single hole. Yeah. And to me, I'd be like, okay, I'd buy that shirt. And I think, like you said earlier, um, yes. a lot of it is about experience. In a, experience, you know, in whether what, how the fashion show is produced or people are really invested in spending their money on the experience of something. And that, I don't think that's just applicable to, you know, traveling or something like that. But I think knowing, like, the backstory behind your brand and knowing that the Billy was inspired mm-hmm. by your grandma's outfit. Like that just makes it so much more so um, appealing. Yeah, I in was my really, eyes. I was happy about that style. Um, I think it's it's timeless in in its shape, and you know, I really think there's an element of plaid nostalgia. I mean, it's not your typical plaid. It's really a modern day digital iteration of you know that plaid shirt that seems like it's you know outdated. 
Um, and, you know, I think there, there's beauty in, in the weave of plaid fabrics that I really wanted to just bring to the forefront, you know, the way they're, they're made on a loom is, is amazing. And, um, to kind of showcase, showcase a, a dated fabric the way we do, whether it's woven through leather or it's a digital iteration is kind of, you know, bringing that old craftsmanship of, of fabric textile making in, in these plaid weaves and, and having a fresh 2020 designers, um, kind of viewpoint on that. So I think that's, you know, another way we, we honor fashion of the past and textiles of the past is we're not really reinventing the wheel. We're just kind of showing how plaids can be really special and, and really fresh. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I see the Billy being in so many other different colorways that I'm excited to start developing and, you know, kind of have people really appreciate mm -hmm appreciate you know plaid fabric you said that and to be completely transparent I when I first saw the billy I was like you know I haven't seen my plaid bag in so long refreshing to see it's just it's not it's not um, out there I, I think people people see in general people see plaid as being something dated or you know they're their dads or their brothers or their boyfriends flannel shirt that's you know they, they wear to like <laughs> do work in the yard or <laughs> like, or, you know, yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, I, I've curated my closet as a lot of vintage plaid. I love sourcing for Pendleton plaid skirts and jackets and really just been in, in awe of, of the way the fabric is and how beautiful it is, but also understanding there's an element of it being dated. Um, and you know, the fast fashion plaids you see today either aren't matched or there's really no thought going into the colorways or you know they're overly large or they're too small and, and I really think there's so much thought that goes into the way the plaid is placed on our bags the scale of the plaid it's not too small it looks super mass market it's not too yes. large that you can't see the plaid so it's really engineered in in a very um a very thoughtful way and you know I think this modern, this modern day plaid is just really unique and really, really different. Um, but, you know, to be, to be honest, it, it did take, you know, a few months for, for this style to catch on. I think when we launched, we only sold like 20% of our production and, and now we're almost all sold out just because I think it's, mm -hmm. it's really about showing the consumer why this bag is special. And there's also an element of seeing other influencers and, and, you know, girls wearing it, showing how you can style it a million different ways, showing what you can fit inside. I mean, there's gorgeous leather piping. It has a leather handle. There's still elevated aspects. And, you know, the fabric is expensive. It's made, it's digitally printed. Um, it's custom fabric made here in the Midwest. Um, and it's, you know, it's a unique design. It's, mm -hmm. it's the Caravan of digital plaid. So, um, yeah, we've really seen success. I mean, there was a little bit of being discouraged after putting all the development love and effort and money and time into something that really meant something to me. Cause it was rooted in, you know, my grandmother's outfit, but you know, also that, that element of understanding that you need mm -hmm. to prove to your customer and show your customer all the beautiful things about it and, and why it's valuable, why it's worth it, why it's going to be your go-to bag for the summer. And I really think it is. I think, you know, you're going to be seeing Billy's, around New York City, like we had someone send us a, a text the other day saying, 
I saw someone in your billy on the streets of New York City. So, you know, it's sweet. I mean, right. you know, they're they're definitely eye-catching. You'll you'll know it's a caravan event though when you see it out and about. <laughs> and I think that's what you want. And I think that's something, like I said before, something that, um, you know, we were educated on that a lot of people may not know, but I think speaks really well to your brand is like the quality of it. So like you said, like the scale, like you're very specific about the scale. It's not too small. It's not too large. And, you know, the placement of it and something that is when you see shirts and the plaid doesn't always line up or it's off or the scale's different for different parts of um, a shirt just say it's like it speaks to the quality of it so I think if we're able to see and people are now able to look at products and see um certain little details like that maybe it'll make them um think a little bit harder or if they see the quality behind it like your billy bag they're able to see okay this is really good quality a lot of time Mm -hmm. effort went into this uh developing it um you know, nothing's perfect on the first try, no matter what it is. So constantly developing it and you're just, you know, you're learning more. I don't really failing or not getting something right on the first try. Okay. If you don't get it right on the first try, you just learn how to not do it. (laughs) We've had a lot of that. We've had a lot. It's just a complete, like, Um, yeah, but I I think it just comes down to, you, you know, you really have to be passionate about the product and passionate about the space, you know, passionate about what you're putting, putting forth. If you, if you don't genuinely, love so much what you're doing I I don't think you're going to be happy and you know I definitely had a lot of doubts and feeling like I didn't know everything that I needed to know when I first started only being 23 really when I when I left my job but I think there's also an element of being super hungry for for that knowledge for learning for growth for being uncomfortable and learning a side of, of the business that is new to you I really don't think you need to know everything, but I do think you need to just have that open mind and really be focused on the consumer, be focused on the landscape, um, you know, reading what's going on in the industry. I, I do think for a small business, I was very early in this whole made in the USA sustainability. Um, and I had a lot of, you know, a lot of people, like I said earlier, say, I was crazy for manufacturing here because I was going to run into these, you know, price issues and really not being able to acquire that Mm -hmm. consumer because, you know, I, I was a no name. Um, and you know, also the difficulty of holding myself to certain standards and not being able to get a cheaper zipper overseas, you know, having to get all of those little details from the United States, um, is also very difficult, but, um, you know, like anything, it's, it's really in, it's really in the, you know, the foundation and understanding that it's not going to happen overnight and you might not see success until your, your, your third or fifth year. Um, and we really didn't see explosion of sales until we introduced our third style into the marketplace. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you're Mm -hmm. grounded in, in values that mean something to you and that, um, you know, serve a higher purpose that you feel fulfillment in, you know, I think you'll see success and it'll, it'll keep driving you and keep pushing you to learn, to grow and, you know, to continue to make your consumer so happy. Thing is a learning process. I think you said it um, in a really great way. You're constantly, you know, you don't have to know everything and you're going to learn at every single age and step process throughout your life. 
But I think being open to learning about, you know, what's going on, like you said, reading is such a huge, um, really beneficial step that people can take to Mm -hmm. learn about whatever that they're interested in. Um, And understanding, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how things work. Because I think that understanding how things work, you're able to just feel more comfortable in it, really get the idea of what you're making the investment in, whether it's, you know, uh, an item, it could be a house, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna buy a house if it's not constructed well. So I think it should be the complete same when it when you're buying something in terms of clothing, handbags, because you want it to last, whatever the product is, you want it to last, and you want it to serve you well. And um, contribute to your story. Like you have your story behind your bags and um, you want it to, you know, your bag can easily help sculpt someone else's story in their life, whatever it is for your 87 year old consumer or if you're a really young consumer. And I think that's really, really special. It lends itself to them kind of also looking towards other small brands for whatever category. I mean, I always tell people if you're, you know, if you're looking for something specific, like a new pair of shoes or you know, a certain sweatsuit, put mm-hmm. in the time and, and try and, and find a brand that, you know, has those same values as Caravan of Enia. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's kind of where the wave is. It's really putting in, you know, putting in a little extra research to find other brands that are doing good and really just mm-hmm. have a meaningful story. You know, you want to support people that really love what they do and, and kind of see their work shine through that. Um, and, you know, I think, I think it's great. I really do see, see some kind of light in the industry in, in this shift. And I'm, I'm so happy about it because it does, it does serve my brand, which, you know, had felt from the beginning, like it was going to be this crazy uphill battle because, you know, I had all of these factors going against me, like price point or, you know, the consumer, we did a poll on our Instagram probably a year or so ago, mm-hmm. the consumer being overwhelmingly not caring where the products come from. And, um, you know, I don't think that kind of market research means that you should manufacture overseas. I think that means that we have this responsibility to shift that boat and, and show, show the consumer why they should care. And, you know, I, I do that through my product. And I think, you know, all of the responses has just been, I cannot believe that the quality is, is like this. Cause you know, people are buying sight unseen through direct to consumer, which is so much harder with a small business with a, such a high price point. You don't, mm-hmm. you can't feel it. You're just seeing it online. You're seeing it in videos, but really the response being, I right. can't believe it smells like this. You know, the way it glitters in the sun, the way the leather feels so buttery, you know, the lining on the inside, the pockets, the way the snap is so con- is constructed so well, or um, really just any, anything about the products, I think really helps that consumer understand, wow, this is what a quality product looks and feels like. And, you know, I've just gotten lots of really great responses about, you know, people saying they bring it everywhere and, you know, it's their go-to bag. And I think that's, you know, that's just the, that's the goal of, of any business is really to have people really loving using the product and coming back, you know, for, for more and supporting, supporting those values. And um, as a great pillar behind your brand identity, at least that's how I see it. And I, 
Um, I guess my final question for you today is, you know, like we've talked about today, you know, certain styles come in and out or they're really popular trends right now. And I see that your brand is very different. Like I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking with you, but I haven't seen another brand or I haven't seen another bag like yours, like whether it's your original, you know, square circular bag or your baguette or your Billy, I haven't seen another bag like that. So how do you, um, how do you continue to keep your brand authentic or for anyone who is starting a brand or wants to do it? How do you try and keep your brand authentic? I think um, it's authentic? about really staying true to what sets your brand apart. And, you know, as, as slow as it might be to mm-hmm. grow my product line with this new, t- with this textile, that's very difficult to work with. It's, you know, hard to incorporate in, in styles because of the way the textile needs to be inserted. It doesn't lend itself to doing, you know, every style under the sun. So it's really just being, being okay Mm -hmm. with slow growth and staying authentic is staying true to what sets your brand apart in terms of design. And I think it's really just putting blinders on and not letting trends affect you, not launching a sweatsuit that says Carabinavenia on it because sweatsuits are big. It's not, you know, introducing the baguette with fringe because one of the supermodels wore a fringe outfit. I think, you know, it's not trying to capitalize monetarily on trends. I think it's just staying, staying authentic with this textile and continuing to make meaningful thoughtful product with the textile, even if it, you know, even if we only release new styles every year. Um, so I think my it, really advice to be for anyone trying to stay authentic is to think about product first, what's going to set you apart, what's going to be different about your product and not succumbing to trends, because I think that confuses your customer. It really, you know, makes makes your customer confused and, and not honed in on why is Caravan of all of a sudden releasing a bucket hat or why is Caravan of all of a sudden releasing a tube top with a weave on it? You know, I, it's not about, Oh, what's, you know, what's mm-hmm. the like, fastest way I can get this woven textile out for cheap and to make sales. I think it's really distancing yourself from the sales and, and just having mm-hmm. a meaningful, thoughtful product with, with whatever makes you unique. And unfortunately that might mean that growth is slow, but um, I think anything meaningful is it takes time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's how you stay authentic. It's just really honing in on what makes you unique. And you know, if, if the woven textile is what the consumer wants, then, then that's what they're going to get. But you know, it's not going to be 20 new handbags every, every six months. It might be, one handbag a year um, because the development time is long. It's five prototypes. It's, you know, figuring out new ways to do a woven design. So um, yeah, it's about slow fashion and really being committed to what makes you different. I do everything about keeping yourself authentic and um, not adhering to trends because I think that's so special and not just for the look of it, but just genuinely being unique in who you are, your personality, what you represent. Um, because by wearing, just example, one of your bags, I mean, if it were me, it's like I'm not only representing me, but I'm representing you. And I think that keeping your authenticity is 
should yeah, always be a high be priority on everyone's that's list. How, that's how you see um, success and that's how people and consumers, uh, that's how they associate your, your brand. Oh, she's the designer with the woven bags. She has, you know, 10 of them. Go check them out. It's, it's a range of price points. You can wear them everywhere. They're quality made, you know, and I think once you start yeah. to succumb to trends, it's, it's where you, it's where your brand gets lost in, in that space of, of so many other, other brands trying to do the same thing. And I think, you know, trend, trends are great. You know, you can, you can style, if you have an authentic, unique product, you can style your, your product in a trendy way or, you know, with, with something that's, you know, a little bit more, um, like I said, trendy in a sense, whether it's a location or, you know, it's a trendy travel destination that people are going to. I think that's, you know, a way you can kind of keep up with trends, but I think that, you know, pushing yourself to keep up with trendy product with, with such a short, um, short lead time is when you, you run into issues where you run into that product immediately being discounted after a few months because it's the trends out. And then, and then, you know, that product you can't sell, it goes into waste or the, the people that bought it are all of a sudden throwing it out because it's not trendy. So I think, you know, keeping up with trends also Mm -hmm. contributes to, the environmental issues we, we spoke about. Forward, and I hope that people have learned from this, from our discussion, that um, paying attention to where your product comes from and what the product represents um, can make such a collective and huge impact, um, like presently and for the future. And I hope that that I hope the trend, for the lack of a better word, I hope that the trend of really caring about the background, the lifetime of your product, and where it comes from. I hope that I we, think they people will. really That's 100% really the that. future of the industry. Conversation. Um, and I really appreciate it. I know that you are so busy um, building your brand and incredible business. And I will include all of like Kara's info in the description. But thank you so, so, so much for setting aside your time. Thank you to so much talk for having me. It was truly everyone. an honor.